The final Furlong podcast is sponsored by Unibet. Sign up now using code ATR-30 to get your welcome offer. BeGambleAware.org. 18 plus. The final Furlong podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Thanks for downloading the final Furlong podcast. I'm Emerson Kennedy alongside At The Races pundit and my good friend, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello. We are going to reflect on a superb weekend's racing, uh, most of it live on At The Races, still recovering from that epic arc. But also on this podcast, we have to settle a grudge. Because a certain person was put on the final Furlong podcast grudge list on Thursday when it turned out it wasn't just this podcast he was listening to, but three. I didn't know there were three racing podcasts, Kevin. Did you? (laughs) No, completely oblivious. (laughs) I don't know what's going on there. Uh, To be fair, he did then tweet afterwards to say, well, you are the only one that actually matters. And I also have to admit that I'm eating humble pie still and... um, the aftertaste is not very pleasant. John Dance, owner of Lawrence, welcome along to the Final Furlong Podcast. Hello, good evening. And thank you so much for giving us your time. I don't know why, but I decided <laughs> to desert Lawrence uh, in the Sun Chariot and follow the, follow the money with wind chimes. Uh, you had said at Leopardstown, and we'll, we'll talk about that success as well, that winning on on home soil with her again would be something very important for you and that's exactly what you went and did great performance from daniel tudhope great piece of training from carl burke i would say you must have been over the moon with her oh fantastic um i know i know i'm sort of becoming famous for um complaining that no one respects her but um um, she um but one thing i can't deny is that she's had a huge amount of support um, you know, all, all over Europe, in fairness, but certainly back home, um, she's had a lot of support. We couldn't quite pull off the win in the Guineas. We didn't stay the Yorkshire Oaks, and um, you know, it just it just meant a lot to kind of um, you know f- for the horse to to sort of you know win in front of uh, you know this you know so many supporters. So you know, it was it was a big deal in that respect, definitely. Uh, and, of course, the fact that Rory and I deserted her means that we have to bring in um, somebody to actually chair this meeting. So uh, welcome to the show, Jeremy Kyle, who's going to try and sort out everything. And he's got the envelope with the truth answers and all that as well. Um, yeah, the the negative reaction or maybe not the praise that, that she should have been given must have been frustrating because... And I'll talk to Kevin about Bills and Brooke a little bit later on in, in this she chinned you uh, to go and, yeah. and win a, a classic, a British classic. But the decision to go to France paid dividends. And as Kevin has been saying, they've got nothing but absolute rubbish over in France. So <laughs> what? Um, it's absolute rubbish in France. Uh, so uh, those successes uh, to go to France and, and come away with group successes. What was that like? Was that very... Were you feeling great satisfaction having done that? Or were you in any way regretting not going for the Irish 1000 guineas or going for uh, the the Epsom Oaks at the time or what I should call the Oaks at the time? Um, well, given that she turns out to be no better on soft ground than she was on quick ground. That, and the, the reason we swerved the Irish 1000 guineas was it looked like it was coming up um, as if it was going to be quick ground. Mm. Um, which we were keen to sort of avoid, particularly having, you know, run just three weeks before. 
Um, Carl's got an awful lot of credit for masterful race placing uh, with us going for the Santallery. Um, but on the Monday before, I had to remind him we were even in it. Um, <laughs> he goes, he was, you know, he said, "Oh, I'm worried about the ground." And I said, "We've always always got that race in France." And he said, "Which which race is that?" Um, <laughs> he did know about it originally, but I think he'd completely forgotten we'd entered it because it was it was a fairly early closing race. Oh, that is hilarious. Uh, that was on the 27th of May. It was a, a, yeah. a five-run race, and you ended up going off uh, an odds-on favourite. So were you there? And if so, were you feeling the pressure of having the odds-on favourite at, um, at Longchamp? Yeah. Yeah, no, we went there. and Saturday just gone to anyone we've ever missed. But, yeah, no, we were there that day. And, um, you know, I think being any kind of favourite in a big race does does come with pressure and that builds the nerves going off odds odds on in a group one it was kind of more surreal than having this fantastic horse in the first place it just you know felt quite odd to you know be involved with the horse that was odds on in a group one um and she didn't exactly win it like an odds on shot either did she but i think that's just her yeah because then she goes back to france i assume that carl at this stage now knows that she's in the french oaks and doesn't have to be reminded yeah. Unless you were ringing him on the Monday, going, uh, you have left her in, haven't you? Have made sure that we're still in there. Yeah. Um, and she wins that race by a neck as well. But to me, would you say that she held on gamely, or or was it a, a case of that she just outclassed them on the day? But again, you're in France. Again, it's a Group One at this stage. It's her third Group One uh, of her career, and and now she's really rolling. Yeah. Um, I mean, she she obviously is quite gutsy to to keep battling back, but. I think she's battling back because, you know, once she gets a, a lead of a length or two, she just idles on the front. She kind of waits for them to come back at her again. So she's never really, she's never going to win. If you run her in a cellar, she'd only win by half a length max. Mm. You know, she's never going to bolt up by six lengths because it's not in her nature. Um, you know, it obviously takes some guts when you are a bit tired and you're slowing yourself down to, to fight and kick again. But... Um, yeah, she's you know she's gutsy, but um, I think it's just that's her style, the, the, the way she the way she races really. Well, it could, it could never be said that she doesn't give you a a fair thrill for your money, John, because she she's never won by further than you know three part three parts of a length, which is mad really for a filly of, of her class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, you have a, we, uh, collectively, you know, we've all uh, had a great debate about winks. Um, uh, <laughs> You don't you don't win twenty one group ones in a row wherever they are without being a bit good and I think you know in Ireland UK France you don't win five group ones in twelve months without being you know a very good group one performer she just doesn't win in that style of a top top notch uh, group one performer but that like I say that's just that's just her character that's her nature Winks. and it might be no harm either John because ultimately you know if they're minding themselves. You know that can only help their longevity yeah, well, and everything I think else. Yeah, it's very hard for you know any horse, um, but particularly fillies, to to keep re- reproducing, you know, top class performances. You know, every time they go to the racetrack, and I think yeah, the fact that she minds herself probably might just makes it a little bit easier because she's, you know, if she never quite bottoms herself, then you know makes it easier to to go again next time out. Kept... Yeah, it's not, not it's not dissimilar to Winx, I suppose, in that she's a, a Group One mare that 
you know, takes on this the class opposition most of the time. It certainly, <laughs> it certainly helps her in terms of her longevity that she doesn't have to uh, go down too deep in the well every time she runs. <laughs> I thought you were on her side, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin Blake I still have the old winksy baseball cap that Kevin got me uh, that he got made up it's um, it's 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 become a re- it's gone viral Kevin Blake's thoughts on winks have gone viral so um, we were talking about on Twitter which by the way uh, hats off to you for the the hand going slowly one two three four five at Radio Emmet. Thanks very much for that, John. In my face as I'm eating the humble pie. Uh, the minute you... we had that conversation, the day before the race, I was I was gif hunting. <laughs> <laughs> Ready and waiting. Um, <laughs> yeah. Was, oh, so happy. It was, it was uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Ke- Kevin going with you, Rory and I going against you. We, we deserved everything that we got in fairness. We really did. But um, on the back and forth on Twitter, there was conversation about possibly taking on Winks. So that would obviously only happen if she stays in training next season. Is First of all, is that going to happen? No. Oh, sorry. You, you thought you were talking about Winks. Go ahead, John, sir. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd say 99% certain at, the, at this point in time. Good uh, man! That's know, what we want to hear. Particularly, you know, now, now, that, now that she's proved to us that, you know, she can do it over a mile, it, it gives so many more options for an older horse next year. Um, mile and a quarter, there aren't so many options. Mile and a half, we don't stay. So she really needed to, you know, prove herself over a mile to, to really make it worth a while. And, you know, there are many more ambitions she might help us fulfil yet. Sorry, lads. Never had a Royal Ascot winner, so, you know. Sorry, lads. I'm just getting uh, breaking news here from from Sky Sports. Just give me one second. Sorry, this is is serious. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, Our listeners will probably be aware of this already uh, as we broadcast this. Um, Winks to be retired after the Cox Plate due to the fact that Lawrence is staying in training next season (laughs) and they're terrified (laughs) to take on a good horse. So there you go. Winks. I mean, how, how old is Winks now? She must seven. be in 70s. 26? Yeah. 26. Uh, she's a seven-year-old. Uh, l- last season as a juvenile, you had um, a, a real good racehorse on your hands by the time she won at Doncaster. You'd only been beaten once, so you'd, you'd won two out of three. And you rock up to Newmarket where you're taking on September. Uh, it was the 13th of October. It was the Phillies Mile, Group 1 Company, and you win by a nose, and most of the attention was, how did Jamie Heffernan get September beat? How in the name of God has that horse not got up in Aidan O'Brien's quest to break the Group 1 winning record? Did that really bother you? Did that really get under your skin? Well, it did a little bit, but, you know, we've, you know, learned a little bit since that, you know, Lawrence was always going to wait for something to come back to her a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, all the attention was on September and how she should have won the race. And, you know, to be fair, earlier on in the race, September had the chance to go through, go through a gap. And at that point she, you know, she couldn't travel fast enough. Um, we, you know, we've got a horse, uh, called Von Blucher and his best run, he's won a couple of times this year, but last year I'd say his best run came when he couldn't get a run. And because he couldn't get a run, he just had that little bit more at the end of the race 
I mean, he came fifth in the Bunbury Cup or something like that. But, you know, it can, when you don't get a run, it can flatter your finish, can't it? Mm. Um, yeah. And, um, but yeah, of course, September's gone on to be a global superstar since. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, now we're taking shots at Coolmore. Oh, we're having shots at Aidan O'Brien to have that, lads. Tabor, we're coming for I you. I shouldn't do that because, uh, to be fair, um, probably been a real pain in their backsides for the last 12 months with Lawrence. And, um, <laughs> you know, they've never been anything if not gracious. Um, so I should probably retract that. Edit, edit well, the podcast. Edit. No, no, it stays in. It stays in. But to be fair, you redeemed well, John, yourself at, at the end there. Just, just on that subject, John, to, to bring you back to the other day, were you a little bit surprised that when they jumped out and happily took the initial lead, were you a little bit surprised that they gave you back the lead quite early on rather than... Because we discussed it when we an- analysed the race beforehand. We're saying, you know, Lawrence, everyone knows that she likes the front run. You know, she's one of the ones to beat here. You know, Bally Doyle have a few runners in the race that could potentially go forward. Surely there's a chance they'll try and spoil her on the front end. And, you know, after 100 yards, I'm thinking to myself, oh, God, here we go. She's going to get spoiled. But they actually conceded the lead and um, and allowed Lawrence uh, to have her way from, you know, well before halfway. Did that, did that surprise you in the run? It did a little bit, yeah. I, you know, I did suspect they would, they would certainly try and do something to disturb her. I mean, the first point is... You know, she's not necessarily. We don't necessarily trying to get her as a as a front runner. It's just, you know, you don't want to choke her stride. Um, mm. That said, Carl's absolutely one hundred percent convinced that she's she's a better horse with a lead. No, okay. Uh, so I, I I didn't know whether they try and take us on for the lead and and try and set a fast tempo or take us too quick, but I was pretty confident that that would probably work in our favour. Um, but it, yeah, no, I was very surprised when you know, having made that effort, um, you know, to to get the lead, that they seemed to steady it up. Um, and you know, I think Danny, I think Danny said after the race that he was pretty much a passenger for the first four furlongs. Um, so when they, you know, steadied it up, she just carted him straight onto the front. I, yeah, I was, I was surprised they backed off so so much. You know. Um, you would think they'd try and take us on quickly and and burn us out, perhaps. But I don't know. I don't know whether it was um, whether it was the plan to do what they did or or whether we're just gonna you know see how it panned out. But well, it worked out exceptionally well for you, and you must have been doing handstands uh, at that stage. And of course, you're there at Newmarket to to celebrate. What was the atmosphere like, John? You've got people coming up to you looking for selfies. They're shaking your hand. You've got Derek Smith coming over and saying, "Listen." Well done, the best man's one on the day. You know, how did it feel to be there at Newmarket with the ITV team and uh, Lydia looking for interviews? You're there getting your fifth group one. What was that like? <laughs> can I swear at this point? Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah. You're an absolute twat. You know I was in Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> Why were you not there? Why? <clears throat> um, I was going to save this for a Twitter post, but... Um, Everyone, everyone keeps asking about the dog. I think it got mentioned on the TV at some point. But um, no, we've, well, we've obviously got a, a fairly newborn baby in the house. Which, by the way, and, the um, newborn baby, the newborn baby has just walked in behind John. We can see the newborn baby now. Hello. <laughs> And, the, and, and there's a dog in the background as well, like one of the dogs <laughs> from from the Geordie family from Gogglebox. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, one of them, the one that's decided to come and say hello now, had um, 
she had to have an emergency operation last oh, week. No. Um, and they actually they rang mid mid operation uh, to suggest they might have to put her down and that we oh. won't be able to get to see her first. So um, <clears throat> somehow she got through that. Somehow she got through the next stage, which they were also pretty pessimistic about. Um, but so as well as juggling the baby, we've had to we've had to manage her because she's she's not allowed to do anything in the house. She can't go upstairs or go outside or jump on sofas. Um, so we, we needed more more hands on deck than we had available. And you can't see this, listeners, but the smile on John's face as he talks about the dog is actually bigger than talking about his newborn baby. So there's the priorities. <laughs> there's the priorities for you. Jesus. That's because he's a twat. <laughs> Dick a bull! Dick a bull! You should have locked the door. <laughs> You had that you one. Dropped him head first into it. Yeah, you had that one coming. In fairness, um, delighted to see that the that the dog is is in full fitness, and obviously your your baby is too. What's your baby's name? Harvey. Harvey. So there's going to be a racehorse named Harvey, then, is there? Um, well, I don't know about that, but a, a lot of breeders, a lot of breeders are telling me they're going to pre-name their yearlings before they go to the sale. I, I think next year's sales, it might be about 25 Harveys by the sound of it. <laughs> do a, do a marijuana coup cash on us. <laughs> um, before we, we wrap up the analysis of, of Newmarket's race, when you got to Newmarket last year in October, did you realize that you had a Group 1 filly on your hands? Like, was, was Carl pretty confident or you yourself looking at her on, on the gallops, having been in the yard, having seen what she'd done? Did you know that this is a group one horse in the making? Um, I think we were pretty confident that she would be a group one horse. Um, you know, BJ said when he got off at Doncaster, and, uh, you know, he, he, he's never ridden a group one winner, but if, if she didn't make up into one, he, he'd, he'd be amazed. Um, I, I think we were all pretty confident, which obviously was pretty mind-blowing at that point. Uh, I, I wasn't convinced she was going to be a group one two-year-old, Um and you know this was where i have to give carl credit back um i I really wasn't sure we should be going for the phillies mile i thought at that level um you know we might just be found out for a bit of strength um which we nearly were by september um so fair play to carl you know he he convinced me to run um he gave me the heebie-jeebies when he supplemented Althea and I thought, crikey, if we get beaten by a teammate, that's, that's going to make it even worse, isn't it? Um, but um, uh, but no, he, he convinced me to run and, and, and fair play to him. He, he was absolutely spot on. Um, and we were, all, you know, we were all convinced that she would be a better three-year-old than she was two-year-old. Um, you know, she wasn't raw as such, um, but she still had a lot of sort of developing left to do. So, you know, we, we, were, we were fairly confident we had a good horse going into the race. Carl, obviously, you know, correctly more so that she was a, a group one to two-year-old. So, so um, yeah, it's a pretty amazing feeling, really. So when she lines up at York, you're coming in at the back of a 67-day break, so she's, she's very fresh. She's also well-fancied in the market. Turns out that form's not so bad actually uh sea of class it's quite know, a good she, race actually wasn't yeah, it she, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah you know she's all right she, she'll probably go far might be one for the for the atr tracker there kev uh we can back her <laughs> fives on next time um but did carl have to persuade you then to drop back to a mile 
and take on, at the time, the superstar filly in Europe, Alpha Centauri. Like how, was that a difficult decision to drop back to a mile or, or did it just play into your hands in the program book? Um, Carl's going to kill me for this because I keep giving him glory and then taking it away again. Um, <laughs> he forgot. Before, actually, before, before we went for the Yorkshire Oaks, um, I, it was maybe a week or two before, maybe a week before, and we were, we were down at the yard, you know, and, and I was thinking about these, you know, potentially three best fillies, you know, in Europe that year. You had Alpha Centuri over a mile, Sea of Class based on her Irish Oaks performance over a mile and a half. And, and, you know, without being too big-headed or whatever, um, you know, we were the crack one-and-a-quarter-mile one horse. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, it would have been great if all three had met over a mile-and-a-quarter, um, mainly because it was our <laughs> our comfort zone. Um, but um, uh, in fairness to Jess, Jess kept saying, I still think she's a better miler. And I had half a feeling she might be even though at this point we're convinced she'll stay a mile and a half and and you know we were pretty confident about going to yorkshire uh, yorkshire oaks um but i did say to carl a week or so before yorkshire oaks can we go for the matron stakes and take on um alpha centuri because we'll have taken on sea of class over a mile and a half and you know it'd be pretty sporting um to try and tra take on the other you know, superstar filly of the of the classic generation over a mile, and he looked at me like I was absolutely mental. Um, <laughs> uh, but but um, you know, over the over the next twenty thirty minutes, you know, we had other conversations. But you could you could see his eyes starting to light up, and he quite fancied it. Um, and and fair play to him, you know. Obviously, we d we didn't stay the the mile and a half. You know, the dog, the dog disagrees. I think someone's just arrived. The do um, dog disagrees. Yeah, we, we didn't stay the mile and a half at York, um, and we only had sort of three weeks until the matron, I think it was. And he just, you know, he just tweaked the training to suit a quicker horse, and he he was getting more and more bullish every, you know, every couple of days. Um, and he, you know, he, 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 you know, was really up for it. So, you know, fair play to me. You know, having potentially bottomed her over the over that extended trip to turn her around and and make make the changes necessary to to go and win a Group One over a mile, dropping back so much. It's amazing, really. It's a fantastic achievement by him. Yeah, I think and his it, team. I think at this point we we do need to really heap praise on on Carl Burke because uh, Kev, it, it would have been as John has just said very easy to come up with the idea that oh no the yorkshire oaks will have will have bottomed her um and obviously john had suggested the matron so john's a brilliant race planner and uh, i'm sure he'll keep that up next year and continue to tell carl exactly where to run but in terms of <laughs> just, in, just as a reminder the phillies mile was carl's idea <laughs> <laughs> but, um, how difficult is that from a training perspective to build a horse up from training her for 10 furlongs in France, then to try and get the, the 12 furlong distance and then drop her back to a mile, knowing that you're taking on arguably the best miler at the time in Europe. Oh, it's really tough. And, you know, all of that has come after, you know, a guineas preparation as well, which is, you know, tough on a filly. Um, you know, and classic years can be very tough for Coles and fillies because the, the program 
almost demands that that you jump around and trip a little bit. You know, if you're one, if you if you're a guinea's horse and there's any hint at all that you might stay further, you might end up in the Oaks. You know, in this case, Lawrence ended up in the Yorkshire Oaks, and to come back, it's it, it's hard, it's hard, and just to keep them sweet. Um, is one thing, but to keep them performing at the at the highest level is something different. And bouncing back from, you know, what was uh, um, obviously a disappointing run in the Yorkshire Oaks, albeit with it with a very clear excuse. And um, look, here we are. She's she's there in the first week of October, um, producing perhaps her best effort yet. You know, having made her seasonal reappearance uh, five months earlier in the in the Guineas, it's it's a fair bit of training now. And this was the race, John, that you were highlighting. You were talking to Gary O'Brien on at the races and. You were like a man who every single bit of adrenaline in your body had just flooded through it straight away and you were bouncing with joy and delight. But you were talking about, I want to win a group, another group one on British soil. I want to win another group one in the UK. And this was the race that, that you'd highlighted. Um, so when she started to drift in the market and dum-dums like me were putting up wind chimes, uh, were, were you getting nervous at all or were you keeping the faith? Uh, no, no, I kept the faith. Um, to be, I, I, to be fair, I, I think if Windchimes had gone off favourite, she probably would would have been a fairly worthy one. You know, on a uh, form line through Recoletos and yeah. his performance versus with you, who you know, as with most horses, we'd only ever beaten by half a head. Um, so I, I think Windchimes would have been a worthy favourite. Um, the, the the only thing I was kind of nervous about was, you know, it just kind of felt a bit unfeasible that we could go and win another group one. Um, and that, you know, statistical probability would start counting against us, which, you know. I don't, don't mind those stats. Don't mind those stats. <laughs> no. Wait, wait no, but, you know, for, 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 I think one of Lauren's greatest achievements is for a whole 23 hours and 51 minutes, she was tied on five group ones with an able. <laughs> um, and, as and as put, good you know, as breaking news, and, uh, you know. Enables aside, it's you know that many. You know there aren't that many fillies that that win five Group Ones in a in a career. Never mind in twelve months, and it just you know that's the thing that kind of plays in my head is you know how how likely can it be to to go and get another one? So, um, but no, I, th- I thought Wind Chimes was a worthy favourite, and that actually you know again that did help take the pressure off a little bit but i you know as you know i was i was really keen to to win one in the uk um you know having picked up picked up prizes in in france and ireland and she's got so much support over here it you know just kind of it felt poetic to if we could get one so now john john you you you've had a really easy time of it so far now on the podcast you've been given softball questions All a bit, he's all, had a, all a bit of, he's had a, a shot at Coolmore. He's had a, he's <laughs> taking shots at everybody. But, but I've got a, t- I've got a tough one for you, John. I've got the yeah. tough question for you now. You've said that she's hi- highly likely to stay in training next year, and that's, I think, we'll all agree, and all the listeners are likely to agree that that's fantastic. But when the time comes for Lauren's race racing to be finished, we talked about this on the podcast a few weeks ago. Would you think you would hold on to her as a broodmare or would she be offered for sale? Because she is, of course, a complete outcross for both Galileo and Dubawi. And if she and we know how good looking she is, 
And if she turned up at public auction, there would be the potential for absolute and utter fireworks. War. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's one reason to keep her in training for another year, cause, so we don't have to make that decision yet. <laughs> um, uh, we, you know what? You know, we do breed ourselves. Um, we don't breed from anything with quite the profile as Lauren's. Um, so it could potentially make it a very lopsided breeding operation. Um, and we'd pretty much have all our eggs in, you know, in one basket, so to speak. Um, but from Jess and my point of view, we are likely to have another group one winner in our own name to breed from. Um, so it, it, it does make a very, you know, it will be a very tricky decision and, and I'm delighted we found a good excuse to, you know, keep her in training for next year because it means, you know, can defer that decision for a bit because it, it's a real hard one. Like you say, um, you know, it could it could be genuine fireworks uh, in the auction ring. Um, but, you know, it would, you know, if I saw one of her offspring go and win the guineas, that would absolutely break my heart. Um, so it's, it's a very it's a very difficult decision and one that you know I keep flip flopping from. You know, if she did make a few quid, then you know it would help everything we do, horse racing wise, to reinvest that and 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 it would be useful. But on the other hand, are we ever going to be in this position and have this chance again? What what a foundation mare she'd make, say. So. Yeah, she she. Could... I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean the answer is I don't know, and you know, if you ask me off the record in the morning, I might lean in one direction, and then within an hour I'm back in the other direction, and that that's what the last year's been like. Unfortunately, it's um, as I said to Carl this morning. He said it's a good problem to have, and I said, well, you know, I it's a better problem. I actually preferred it when our first horse who was absolutely hopeless by the way um, <laughs> uh look at look her up on 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 at the races she was called arcosi and the the big decisions we had there was you know which claimer can we find that might be bad enough um, which, which so, claimer in chelmsford can we go for yeah <laughs> well, well, John, if you're going to have problems, you'd much rather have one of those nice problems. Yeah, high high <laughs> class problems yeah. are are absolutely uh, much more suitable uh, and much more preferable, to say the least. Uh, you were talking about hopefully she can fulfil some more ambitions for you. So, the Breeders' Cup is going to be exclusively live and at the races. Is she likely to go there? And if so. Is it going to be the mile, or could she go for the Phillies and Mares turf? Because that's it's a tight track, and she's already stayed ten furlongs. So you have options if she does go yeah. outside. Yeah. Um, the, the only doubt in my mind, and, and I have had we've had these conversations with Carl, and um, you know we're we're still not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure either race would necessarily be perfect. They both could be, in, in, in fairness. It is a very tight track. Um, you know, Danny felt after running on the straight mile the other day that perhaps a bend would help her relax a little bit, um, whilst simultaneously agreeing that she didn't handle the bend at Leopardstown and she was on the wrong leg all the way. Um, <laughs> you know, Churchill Downs, I mean, it, it, you know, it's like running around a kitchen table. It's really tight. <laughs> 
it's it's really tight. Um, so you've got two full one eighty bends. You don't you know you don't even bend that much at Wolverhampton over seven furlongs. So, um, uh, so but it, you know if she broke quick, hit the front, and could get round those bends, and then the mile might be good. Um, she tends to lengthen rather than quicken. Um, so she would be potentially vulnerable to, you know, something with a sharp turn of foot, and you know they do often run, you know, relatively sprinty types in the mile, so that'd be tricky. Um, I think that the slower pace she coped with the bends in the Phillies and mares race, um, but there'd just be those few nagging doubts about whether she sees the trip or not. So, um, you know, there's there's always Santa Anita, I think it is next year. Yeah. Um, which I think on the turf track's not as sharp. That might make life a little bit easy. And, you know, just from this this year's perspective, she's not raced a lot this year. She, you know, I think she's had six races. You know, she's not been over-raced. Um, but Carl's had her on the go since Christmas, you know, because he wanted to bring her on slowly. He wanted to go to the Guineas without, you know, we want to go to the Guineas without prep race so that we could extend our season. Um, but he was also keen, you know, not necessarily to have her fully wound up um, and leave the season sort of, you know, um, there and in early May. So, you know, he did a lot of, um, you know, a lot of gentle preparation with her. So she's been on the go a long time, even though she's not raced a lot. So um, next next year um, might be a more obvious year because, we, you know, we can sort of, campaign around sort of later season targets then obviously the guineas comes pretty pretty quick in the in the spring um and you, you know you only get one shot at a guinea so um you know next year you know other ambitions you know i mentioned that you know we've never we've never had a royal ascot winner um you know you pretty much got to fulfill all your ambitions with this horse whilst you've got it haven't you yeah um, it's the, so, um it's that Kevin Blake mantra of run her, run her. Uh, <laughs> if if she's not going to go on an American adventure this year and you're going to... I'm, I'm not ruling it out, by the way. But, I, I know, yeah. but would that mean that she could take up the engagement in the QE2, possibly? Yeah, well, she's actually in the champion stakes, um, so we'd have to supplement for the QE2. Um, but again, that, that does look like the race for her. Um, so as long as you know she comes out of Saturday okay, and obviously we'll we'll get a better feel for how well she's bounced out of it come Friday or Saturday, then we'll have a we'll have a decision to make over the weekend. But I think at the moment that's probably Carl and my preference, and you know not not necessarily to say we can't still go to the Breeders' Cup after that, but you know we'll have to just take it a day at a time at the minute. And internationally for next season, like, would you be tempted by something that has got insane amounts of prize money like Dubai or Australia? As Tim Carroll from our good colleague Tim Carroll from ATR was trying to persuade you to, to go down under if, if Winks is still racing, obviously you'd thrash her. Uh, finally, a good horse <laughs> takes her on. Um, but she may very well, that, that line may very well be true that I was just fed from Sky Sports News that the connections are going to retire Winks after the Cox played for fear that Lawrence comes to Australia. Um, so would you be interested in going globetrotting given all the prize money that's there or are you more fo- focused on, on getting the Royal Ascot win? Uh, no, not, not necessarily more focused on getting the Royal Ascot win itself. Um, 
you know, I mean, even the prize money she's won already is, you know, mind-boggling. Um, and it pales into insignificance versus some of the pots that are out there and, and some of the pots that, you know, people are suggesting we have a crack at. But, you know, at the end of the day, we've, we've probably got to do what's right for the horse mm. rather than, you know, what's right for the Weatherby's bank account. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, a, a lot of those big pots are, uh, you know, not inconvenient times of the year, but they're either kind of right at the start of our season, you know, Dubai's very early in our season, means not really getting much time off over the winter, or some of the others are, are huge pots at the back end of October, November, again, at the end of next year. And, um, you know, some horses can do it, some trainers can do it, but, you know, you're obviously taking the gamble that you're, you know, you're sacrificing what might be more suitable, you know, races rather than big pots. So, um, again, you know, wouldn't rule it out, but it's got to be right for the horse, really. At the end of the day, you know, she's the one doing the hard yard. So, you know, whatever whatever seems to suit her best at the time is probably what we'll do. Talk to me about Carl. He's, we, we've talked endlessly about him on the Final Furlong podcast about just what a talented trainer he is and, and what a fantastic season he's having, but also the comeback. You know, I mean, he, he was down and out and somehow he's managed to to just completely rebuild his career and and do so brilliantly. What's he like to deal with? And when you're on the gallops and you see him working the horses and when he breaks down a, a race for you, what is it that, that makes him really stand out for you as a trainer? Um, there are two things for me. The first one is, you know, he, he just has this incredible eye um, watching the horses on the gallop and, you know, spotting A, which ones might be talented and, and B, you know, how to tweak their routine to suit them. Um, you know, we had, a, we had a horse last year called Beatbox Rhythm who he ended up winning a all-weather qualifier uh, and a big nursery at York. But when he first came into the yard and PJ had ridden him out, you know, he was saying, well, not, you know, I think he'd be a nice three-year-old John, but, you know, maybe get him his mark this year and, and wait till next year. And, and Carl was pretty adamant, no, no, this this horse will be special. And then, um, you know, PJ couldn't believe the job that he'd done in, in you know, two, two and a half months. And they turned the horse inside out and, it, you know, he, he just spotted something in that horse that, that no one else had, even even the jockeys that were sat on, you know, sat, sat on top of him and come, you know, four or five races later, he's, he's rated 103, 104, whatever it was. And um, so that's the first thing. He's, he's definitely, he's got a great eye and he's got a great ability to, to tweak the horse's routine to, to suit them and bring the best out of them. And the other thing, well, than, than any him, you know, he's not... You know, he's not a stubborn, you know, I, I know what's right kind of a guy. You know, it doesn't matter who the who the riders are, whether it's a, you know, jockey in the race or um, work rider at home. He's so attentive to what they're saying and, and he just analyzes all the information they give him and then uses it to best effect. And I think that's that's probably one of the, the key parts of his genius. Uh, he is obviously an exceptionally talented trainer, even if he does every now and again require you to do the race planning for him. What <laughs> is your... Absolutely kill me. <laughs> <laughs> what is, as, just as we, as we let you go, what's your, your greatest ambition with Lawrence? She's won five group ones for you. She, she's taken up the mantle from Alpha Centauri of, of now being the star filly of the season. 
Uh, it's a shame that, that Alpha Centauri got injured and that you can't take each other on again because I think that would have been would have been really fascinating. But in terms of going forward, either for this season or for next season, what's your greatest ambition with Lawrence? Well, that's a tough question. Um, my greatest ambition, Emma, is for you to rediscover the belief. <laughs> <laughs> it's back. It's back. I've yeah. got. I've got the faith in her again. I believe once again in Lawrence. Oh. Kennedy flip oh. Kennedy flip flops ten times a day now. It's not easy get around. It's not too difficult to get around them. Do you know? Do you know why that is, John? It's because I've been hanging around with Kev so so much because Kev was putting up. He was telling anybody who listened to him the Cheltenham preview night that we did for at the races. He was talking Tiger Roll lads, absolute good thing. Can't get beat. Then we go on ITV in the opening show. And what does he say? Uh, I don't know now. I don't know if you like these um, these fences. Actually, uh, I've, I've looked back there. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not too sure at all. Horse goes. It was up. the ground, Kennedy. The ground. New evidence. Oh, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. New evidence <laughs> of the ground. You did it again at Aintree. You went off him again there. Oh, endlessly, he flip-flops. So I, I've picked up the Blake flip-flopping um, syndrome. Uh, in all seriousness, Blake's a genius. And, uh, and clearly, you are as well, John. The very, very best of luck to you with this horse uh, for the rest of her career. Is there anything else, John, in your ownership? that the final Furlong podcast listeners should be looking out for? Anything that we can land a bit of a gamble on? <laughs> um, I had one last year, and, and he's he's been absolutely miserable since. So um, uh, we actually have another two-year-old Sayuni, Philly, um, who, for obvious reasons, having bought her from the same consigners, of Lawrence by the same sire as Lawrence being French bred we've called robotic dancer um <laughs> robotic dancer <laughs> uh, uh, she's not ran yet um she's nearly there um hopefully we will get a run out of her um before the end of the turf season fingers crossed and fingers crossed um she certainly might be half decent, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay, she's going in the at the races tracker for sure. Um, John, you know, look I don't know if I don't know if we're going to get her out debuted and, and ready to you know throw her in at the deep end of the Vertum Fatuity Trophy, which had been my original ambition. But there you go. But no, I do I do like her, and I, I, you know I think a lot of the, the yard think um, pretty good things of her as well. So fingers crossed. Fantastic. Uh, looking forward to that. Um, look, you've you've won one point four million, one point four six million pounds sterling with Lawrence this season. But of course, thanks to Brexit, the, uh, the Sterling's worth nothing these days. So that, I think that's about, <laughs> I think that's about 20 euro. Uh, so yeah. just, just to make I up for it. you could buy a final furlong mug with it, could you? That's what we're going to do. We're going <laughs> to, just to make up for it. Uh, by the way, 1.4 million pounds sterling. What an incredible amount of money to win with the horse and five group ones. Uh, we are going to send you a final furlong podcast mug. Uh, we'll, set, we'll send one for the baby as well. Uh, and, a, and a couple of a couple of pens and a mouse mat, but I'm going to want you to tweet it, tweet it to the listeners uh, that there is only one racing podcast, and it's this one. Of course, yeah, of course. I think two, uh, I think at least two of the others have already gone out of business. Because, you know, <laughs> smashing them to pieces. John, you're a gentleman and a scholar. The very best of luck to you for the rest of the season with Lawrence. Thank you. It's been, it's been an absolute honour to be on the show. Thank you. Cheers, John.
Cheers, guys. The final Furlong podcast is sponsored by Unibet. Sign up now using code ATR-30 to get your welcome offer. BeGambleAware.org. 18 plus. Interview my arse. Because that's the, the clowns of you that are on there. That's why I wouldn't go on You are talking absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. You are. You're a farce and so is he. He knows nothing about race. You are an underachiever in life. You were unsafe. You were bacon one time. You were gone. You are one of these takeout merchants. Take out all you can. You are calling out bootmakers' prices on this channel, right? You couldn't have two bananas to a banana with a bootmaker's inside. But stop you talking rubbish. How much do I not give a fuck? Right, the show's over, boys. Thank you very Let much. Let me show you right now for you give it up. It's a pleasure to have John Dance on the show. And um, all the best of luck again uh, with Lawrence for the rest of the season. Uh, we will switch from Newmarket Zoo to France and the Qatar Prix de la Arc de Triomphe, which will be exclusively live on Sky Sports Racing next season. Uh, Enable made it back-to-back wins. She just had the one run this season, Kevin. And... Interesting quotes from John Gosden, which we'll deal with afterwards. But let's let's talk about the race first up and, and give this filly her dues. Because in my view, this is a genius ride from Frankie Dettori. And I know some people are having a go at James Doyle, but there wasn't a whole lot he could do coming out of that stall and gave it his best effort. You don't really win the arc going up the rail. Uh, that I was a little bit surprised at. But they're two high-class fillies and... They fought out the finish of an epic race. Yeah, fabulous horse race. Um, great performance by Enable. Again, Frankie, you know, simplicity and, you know, reducing the possibility of things going wrong. You know, that was the key to this ride for the second year in succession. Um, had her in a lovely spot. You know, she, she took a grip, but she probably settled better than she did last year. And um, I don't know, I, I assume... Everyone else was thinking the same as me, that she was going to bolt up there about a far long and a half out. Yeah. Um, and she picked up, and she just got a bit tired. And we found out afterwards perhaps why. But this was just uh, another super performance, considering even even before you, you talk about what happened since Kempton, the fact that she came into the arc with just one run in the all-weather, um, having picked up a setback earlier in the season, is some effort. And um, I know that they were in a, a small bit of a heap in behind her, but I don't want to knock her. Um, I think she, she's done really well to win here. Um, and we'll wait and see if she runs again this season. She's obviously heavily fancied for the Breeders' Cup now. Um, but the main thing is she comes back next year. And I think all the noises that are being made suggest that she will be back um, midday. You know, Prince Khaled's last comparable horse, we'll say, to Enable, was back as a five-year-old. Yeah. And, um, you know, Prince Khaled isn't getting any younger. His health isn't brilliant, I don't, don't think, by all accounts. And I think he'll he'll want to kick on. Now that he has a, a real superstar, he'll want to keep going and enjoy her on the track for another year. And um, you'd really look forward to that and just hope that they get a, a clearer run at her this year than they did uh, next year, sorry, than they did this year. They could also try and, and do what Trev failed to do, which is win three Arc de Triumphs, which would be just fantastic. Oh, absolutely. And that's the obvious thing to do. She's clearly very well suited uh, by by the race and the course and distance. Tactically, she's very well suited to it as well, because as we'll talk about with Sea of Class, you know, this can be a particularly tricky race for a type of horse that needs to be ridden with patience. Whereas with Enable, she can make her own running if she needs to. She can sit handy. She can sit four or five back if the pace was really strong. You can pretty much do what you like with Enable. And that makes her a very dangerous weapon in any company, but especially in a race 
like the arc where there tends to be a massive field and tactics and looking running can be can be issues um, if she gets there in good shape next year because she could make another bit of history, I think. Yeah, the switch from Chanty to Longchamp or Paris Longchamp, as we should be calling it, was was no issue for her. She has just hung on from Sea of Class. What was your assessment of William Haggis's filly? Because we talked about the fact that she only appeared in April. You know, we weren't talking about her at the start of the season. It's been some effort from William Haggis with this filly, and he, he's placed her to perfection. She's only been beaten twice on debut and then finishing second to enable in an arc. She's a marvellous filly, and she did nothing but gain rather than lose and defeat here, I thought. Um, look, the tactics and the way she was ridden, we discussed it in the preview from her draw, um, given the way that, that her connections feel she needs to be ridden, she was always going to be dropped in. Um you know, they went a good solid, you know, when you when you commit to that position, you know, you're at the mercy of the pace of the race. You know, James Doyle had no control over how quick or slowly they went in front of him. And he only has a limited amount of control as to what look he gets in running. But luckily for him, they went a good solid pace through this race. There was no great let up, uh, which aided his cause. And I thought he got, you know, it wasn't a perfectly smooth passage, but it was... It was as good a passage as you could have hoped for, really. And she's ultimately just come up a little bit short. But when you consider what we'll go on to talk about with Naval, history may show that on this particular day, she was just a shade flattered to finish so close to Enable. Mm. Um, it was a wonderful run. And I think you know she's coming back next year, which is absolutely fantastic. Because as you say, she has come an awful long way in a short space of time. And as well as advancing her form all the way, to me, she's looked more straightforward. You know, the, this tail flashing is a thing in the past, it seems. And she's just perhaps getting more straightforward than she was. So next year, with a, with another winter of maturity under her, I wonder, will her connections just, just experiment with her and maybe not pigeonhole her as one that needs to be ridden with this exaggerated confidence and maybe try and... and get her settled a little bit closer to the pace and see can she carry that turn of foot in those circumstances because I suspect she'll be able to and it will make her that bit more effective. It will make her a little bit less vulnerable to things outside of, of her and her rider's control, um, especially in big competitive fields like the Ark and it will just make her a better filly. So look, hopefully she gets through the winter in one piece and returns in tip-top form and next year, she's not going to run again this year, I believe is the latest. Yes. Um, and look, you'd really look forward to her. She's a fantastic filly. You know, this was a great performance. Um, zero shame in, in defeat here. And you have to say, I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, James Doyle did an interview with, with Chappers earlier on ATR. And it was one of the best interviews I've ever seen with a jockey. Um, talking about a race it was absolutely fabulous he was searingly honest and uh, in in his self-assessment of what he'd done why he did it and what he might have done differently um, and it, it was just and he was very honest as well about how he felt immediately after the race you know he said it was just I think the quote was it was agony you know to get so close and um, it, it was a fabulous interview if you haven't seen it it's worth chasing up um, Chappers did a great job with it, but but James was was a wonderful subject, and um, if all of our top jockeys could be that good to do an interview, it would only be for the betterment of the sport because that that sort of thing you could not fail to be impressed, 
Um, you know, if you look uh, if you look at it on where ATR posted it on Twitter, you know, the amount of people underneath that said, you know, thanks, you know, for someone that it, that hasn't ridden in a race or someone that you know isn't necessarily an expert, that really explained it well why you did what you did, because of course, you know, when a horse finishes a fast finishing second in a big race, you know, a, a certain amount of people will always say, oh, you idiot, you should have went sooner, you should yeah. have sat closer, so on and so forth. And he really went in depth in explaining why he was where he was and why he couldn't do it differently. And um, it was just a brilliant interview. It really was. And if you haven't seen it, chase it up. And he is so well-spoken as well. He's been having a, a terrific season, as has Oshin Murphy, who we'll talk about in a, in a couple of minutes as well. Um, let's deal with these quotes so from from John Gosden. By the way, you can watch that interview on the At The Races app, uh, which is available as a free download from the App Store and uh, Android. However you work the Androids, I don't know. I'm an Apple man. Apologies to all you Android users. And thank you for listening to the Final Forum podcast on Android. Um, you can also go to attheraces.com and see the interview there as well. In in terms of the comments from John Gosden, so he he was sounding pretty confident before the race. And then afterwards, he comes out with this bombshell that she was only 85% fit and that the, you know, he was running because he, he, Khaled Abdullah was there. I, I, I have great admiration for John Gosden, and I have great admiration for, first of all, for his skill as a trainer. And we've mentioned that countless times on this show. But I'm really puzzled by those quotes. It's a tricky one. This is a, a really tricky issue um, because, look, the, the reality of training racehorses is that, you know, things often go wrong, you know, to one extent or another and um, before a horse runs. And if trainers made public every little setback and concern they had about a horse, it would just be mayhem um, because there would be so much of it coming out, you know. But in a case like this where you have, uh, you know, the favourite for one of the biggest races in the world um, and you're happy to talk about it after the race, you should be happy to talk about it before the race, yeah. I think. Um, it would have certainly resulted in a lot of people re-evaluating uh, the race and her, and her prospects. And, <clears throat> and it's probably not the, you know, some people will probably throw, throw something at their, at their screens if, when I say it. But, you know, if, if you're not willing to say it beforehand, you're probably better off not mentioning it at all. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, if he hadn't said that before, we would have analysed the race. We sort of, you know, I, I suppose we would have concluded um, enable, you know, maybe not quite at our best, but managed to win anyway. You know, obviously it's better to know because we can we have a concrete reason why she maybe wasn't at her best. But it just grates a little bit to hear it afterwards, having not heard it beforehand. Um, so it's tricky. You know, ultimately trainers... Um, it's in the trainer's best interest, you know, to get the horse there in the best possible shape. Mm. And if if they're happy to run the horse, um, that is, you know, to to a great extent, that is the old, the best tip you'll get, you know, rather because if if it's just really tricky because I've been I've been privy to situations like this in the past before where something has gone wrong with a horse, um, in the build up to a race, nothing is said. Sometimes they go and run just fine. And you, you're saying to yourself after as well, what were we worried about? And other times they don't run up to expectations. So it's, it's very hard. And different trainers tend to take different attitudes to it. Some are very open. Um, but being very open also leaves you open to abuse as well. Because let's say, for example, if John Gosden had come out two weeks ago and said, right, look, she spiked the temperature. 
we're, we're a bit worried about her. We had to ease back. It's far from ideal. We'll do our best to get her there in tip-top shape, but I can't guarantee it. She would have drifted. It would have been all over the papers. And she goes and wins. And, you know, some will say, thank you for being very open with us, John. Um, others will say, oh, Goslin's put us away. You know, what was he on about? You know, she's gone and won. You know, there was nothing wrong with her. You know, so it's it's hard to win, really. But, you know, as, as a blanket policy, I'd be happy. You know, the more information, the better would, would be my thought yeah. on pretty much everything in racing. But in, in these cases, it's really tricky. I don't think there's a definitive answer to it. I would be cautious of, of demanding that we know everything that goes on with, with every high-profile horse. Because like I say, and, you know, some high-profile horses, you know, they're, they're, they're not the soundest. And if you went down the road of, of saying every, being, telling the public every time they took a lame step um, at, at evening stables, you know, you, you just, it would just be a mess. So it's tricky, and I'm probably coming coming across a bit muddled here because no, in reality, it, it my, my, my own opinion my own opinion is a bit muddled because I don't have an answer. Yeah, because um, it, it is my, a my, very... my, my point. My point is just to make that there is two sides to this, and and it is not easy. It's not straightforward, and pretty much every case has to be dealt with on, on its own merits, really. But the only thing I'd say is, and and there was a lot of people on on Twitter yesterday were saying and, and a lot of final forum podcast listeners were tweeting and saying well this is a no win situation for Gosden because if he says oh we've we've had a problem with her and she goes and wins exactly as you said Kevin people will say oh you've put us away this isn't a handicap you're not trying to land a gamble this is Europe's most prestigious race it's one of the world's most prestigious races there's nothing wrong with saying listen we have had a slight problem with enable we 100% intend to run, but she's not going to be fully at her best. And it's up to you to make your decision as a better than to decide whether or not you want to be with her or you want to be against her. And it shouldn't be a case of that you're going to blame the trainer afterwards or blame the jockey. You're responsible for your own bets. You're responsible for the, for the money that you put down. But if, if we don't have this information beforehand... And then you're told a completely different story afterwards. It doesn't matter who it is, whether it's a, a high-profile Irish trainer or a high-profile British trainer or, or a French trainer or American trainer. It just, it's, it's odd. It's a very, very odd scenario. Well, just from a perception point of view, it's just not ideal. No. Because you, you know, Manny would have heard John Gosling's interview beforehand. And he, you know, he he wouldn't have blown you away with confidence, obviously. But no, he, that's he true. Wouldn't have, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have put you off. And there might have been many people watching, let's just say, for example, that heard that interview and said, OK, Gosling sounds all right. I'm going to I'm going to have a few quid on this. And they have their few quid. They obviously win in this case. But they hear after the race that, you know, he was riddled with doubt over how, how, whether she could produce her best. It just it just doesn't seem great. And like I say, if you're not prepared to talk about it beforehand, you're probably better off saying nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and look. I don't want to knock John Gosden. You know, he's just one Nor do that. I. Nor do he, I. He's, he, he's excited. Uh, maybe he hadn't intended at all to say it, and it just slipped out because he was so excited yeah. that, um, you know, he, his tongue got a bit loose, perhaps. Um, it, it's tricky. It's tricky. It's not black and white. But, you know, we'd, we'd rather hear about these things beforehand if we're going to hear about them at all. Yeah. Um, would, be, would be my probably conclusion on it. But... It's not a straightforward issue. It's not. It's, it's never ever black and white, and it should never be um, considered that. And to balance things out, we'll I'll make reference to the fact that 
Cooldown was lame the morning of the RSA chase, went on to win, but Willie Mullins didn't make that public. But he was happy to say it after the race. Oh, it's amazing he's won because he was lame this morning. So that's true. That's true. Look, I, I could Kenners, I could tell you so many stories about similar stories. Yeah. Um, it, you would be amazed the the amount of times it happens where a horse pulls out lame the morning of the morning before a race. They're put the trainer will put them on the box and say, "Look, we'll take a chance. If they're if they're a little bit better when they get to the track, we'll run them. They run them and they go and win." And you look in the form book and there's no indication there's anything you miss whatsoever. But if you had been privy to everything um, that had gone on, you would have been very much put off. Um, and that's just the reality of horses. They, they, you know, when they're cool, they can be a bit sore, a bit stiff. Um, but when they warm up and the adrenaline starts flowing, they can run right up to their best. Um, mm. So it, it's a tricky thing. It's a very, very tricky thing. Okay, Cloth of Stars was second in this race last year. He's run an absolute stormer and now has two point five million pounds in the bank account. Oh look, he's run a super race, hasn't he? Mm. Um, he he's becoming this generation's Yumzain. <laughs> <laughs> um, which and I don't mean to, to be derogatory there at all. Um, he, he's run a smashing race, to be fair to him, and um, look very talented horse. Maybe just a little bit, um, a little bit below tip top. You know, he's obviously struggled a small bit since uh, his exceptional run in the race last year um and you know the arc is 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 a race out on its own really um if you're trained in france you know it's it's a big field generally well run mile and a half race and you don't get a heap of those in france yeah. like let's say let's say just talking aloud here um since he finished second in the arc last year he's run in france one two three four five times and the the field size has been you know ten runners seven seven six six yeah you know so I think it, it's probably fair to conclude that Clot of Stars just seems to be very much best suited by a big field where they go a right gallop and um, it's two years in a row now he's got those circumstances in an arc and he's he's shown a, a standout piece of form so that just seems to be his thing and unfortunately that thing doesn't prevail all that often for him in France okay Waldgeist has had uh, a really good season and he's he's run a fine race might have been a little bit unlucky not to finish third but um, he was put in his place the two O'Brien horses the, the two prominent O'Brien horses Capri and uh, Q Gardens so this, the St. Ledger hoodoo continues um, what did you make of both of the runs Capri's run a super race. Um, you know, he was my selection, each way selection in the race. Yeah, that's for me. Um, you know, the, the later, late on, the vibes, you know, I think Aiden was feeling that maybe it was just coming a couple of weeks too soon for Capri. And, and I thought he ran a stormer because he was bang there until quite late on. And maybe that he was just caught for, for conditioning very late on. And I, I suspect he could step up from this again. I don't know what the plan is if he'd go for the Breeders' Cup turf. Um, I'd I, love I don't to think it could well happen, but I, I don't think he's a horse who'd ideally like to be rattling off fast ground. I know he has some form on good to firm ground, but mm. um, I, I think he's a horse that would always appreciate a little bit of an ease. And Q Gardens look ended up with a lot to do for a horse that stays well and came home quite well. Um, but not well enough. He's he's run a perfectly solid race. I, I wouldn't. I would certainly give him another chance at a mile and a half in in slightly different circumstances. Could he but, go uh, to Churchill Downs, Kev? Oh, speed focus mile and a half. I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know. Where else would you go with him? Um, That's the thing. If you are going to run him again this season, it just seems like the most obvious target. You could go to Hong Kong or Japan, I suppose, but it just it does seem the most obvious target for him. Yeah, yeah, it's tricky. Tricky. He's had a long season, you know. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, he'll, I assume he'll be back. You know, I think we can fair pretty much assume he'll be back next season. So, oh, 100%. Uh, yeah, you, know, you could run him. There's no harm in running him, but um, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be singing and dancing about his chance now. I don't think you, you could go back to, up to two miles for the, the race on Champions Day at Ascot, but I don't think they'd go that way. Six to four on enable is now for the Breeders' Cup turf as we're on that subject uh, live and exclusive on at the races. I do love the Breeders' Cup. We will be doing several podcast specials in the lead up to it. And uh, hopefully you will enjoy those shows. She's odds on favorite, uh, Kev. I would actually be a bit concerned about taking an odds-on price given the record of ARC winners in the Breeders' Cup turf as good as she is yeah look and I know some people might look at her and say okay look she's low mileage for this year why not um, I'd be inclined to take a pull with her now mm. just because she, she's had to run big here and get right down to the bottom of herself um, to overcome an interrupted prep you know, I, I'd be inclined to take a pull. I'd be inclined to take a pull. And if she did go to the Breeders' Cup, I, I'd be very concerned. As much as I love her now, and I, yeah. she's pro- she's quite possibly the best horse on the planet, um, I I would be concerned about her um, if she was to go there. So Enable and Sea of Class to clash again next year. What a prospect oh, that is. Yes. Uh, all about the Phillies in the arc. And uh, sisters are doing it for themselves. Don't know if you've heard, Kev, but they are. And well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Kenners. Um, I assume we're going to move on to the rest of the card now, yes. just before we, we open up into it. Talking about Phillies, what about Phillies on this card? Yes. They, they won everything. Mm-hmm. The only race they didn't win was the, the Jean-Luc Lagadere, um, which didn't have a Philly in it. <laughs> you know, they, every, weren't, every they weren't eligible. Group, Every other Group One winner on the card uh, was a filly. You know, yeah. albeit two of those races were fillies only, but the three open Group Ones, um, the Arc, the the Abbey, and the Foray, were all won by fillies, which is I just think that's absolutely remarkable. Hmm. It, it really is. Can you put that down to something? Is it just? Is is there any specific reason you can think of as to why fillies came out on top so much? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I think. There, there's been an increased willingness in recent years to keep good fillies in training at four. I think that's a factor, you know, whereas at the same time, there's more and more Colts. Um, if they're not retired to stud, they're being sold abroad. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I think that's probably the reason. I think that's probably the reason. But it's a great thing because, you know, Phillies, it makes more commercial sense to keep a Group 1 Philly in training than it does a Group 1 Colt, you could argue. And the fact that this is becoming more commonplace now, it's only a good thing, you know. And they they don't just come back at four. You know, many of them can come back at five and even six. You know, we see what Winx is doing down under. But, you know, I think that could potentially become more common up here, you know, with the likes of Ananable. You know, they can, and I know it's not a commercial thing with Enable, but if with the likes of a, a Mabs Cross, we'll say, whose connections aren't, you know, billionaires, you know, it would make more sense for them probably to kick on and, and, and keep kicking for prize money rather than, 
look, unless they, you know, unless they want to sell her as a broodmare prospect, she'd obviously be very valuable. But yeah, um, yeah, there, there's a lot of prize money to be won there, um, as opposed to going off and you know rolling rolling the dice um, with with a breeding career. You know, it's fantastic that they're being kept in training more, and um, by God, they're getting results. Well, to be fair, the authorities have have gone about putting a system in place to try and encourage owners to keep fillies in training and it's definitely paying off you've mentioned mab's cross so we'll, we'll go straight then to the prix de la abbe for which batash was sent off uh, yet again a very short price favorite it's not that long ago that he was being labeled the best sprinter in the world he's a head case um mab's cross i felt so sorry i was covering this race for for talk sport too um with nat coombs and i felt so so sorry for michael dodds and for the owners when they lost out in that photo finish and there was a you know, there was conspiracy theories tinfoil hat stuff going around on the Twitter machine. pixel one pixel one pixel um but she gets she gets the group one win here uh alpha delfini nowhere to be seen uh and batash uh he's, he's there at the finish but again she's got the measure of him um, this was a deserved win. You know, if a horse deserves a win, that she, she did. And she's won really well in the King's Stand. Uh, that that devastated, the heartbreaking loss, which her connections took on the chin and were so classy about. But I was thrilled for them that she won. And it was great. Delighted for connections. You know, they were so classy after the non-torp. Um, I don't think anyone would begrudge them <coughs> their group one win. And... Um, no harm. I, I made her a group one winner on the podcast a couple of weeks ago talking about um, Pivotal as a broodmare sire. <laughs> I, uh, I, I put her in there as a group one winner, so she's got there now. Good man, Kev. Corrections um, and omissions. Absolutely, but it was it was great for her. Um, and look, hopefully she'll come back again. Maybe she won't, maybe she will, I don't know. Um, she's a very valuable filly now. Um, perhaps she could be one that that ends up at the broodmare sales. I don't know. Mm. Um, I hope she comes back because just as I was just saying, it's great for these fillies to keep coming back, and um, when they're when they get to this this sort of level, um, you know, just in terms of how this race panned out, you know, I think Soldier's Call was a bit unlucky here. Yeah, I agree with you. I I think Soldier's Call and Batash got hooked up here a long way out. And um, Oshin Murphy and Jim Crowley might look back on this and be have their head in their hands a little bit for that. That, that just might have went a bit, a bit hard, a bit soon, and ultimately cut each other's throats. Um, you know, soldiers call getting all the way to two-year-old. He's run an absolute stormer, and um, with that those stupid camera angles they use in the Abbey. Oh, I, I know an awful, an awful lot of people would have been that were on her. They're on him, sorry, would have been screaming at the telly, where's the winning post? Where's the winning post? Yeah. Um, and of course, you've no idea where the winning post is because they use a stupid camera angle um, that wrecks uh, otherwise it, very good group one every year. It really is a <clears throat> stupid camera angle. And I can't understand how somebody hasn't copped on. Maybe it's been said so much that the director of the coverage at Paris Longchamp was like, screw the fans, I don't care. It is about the cinematography. Yeah, the cinematography of a car park. <laughs> it's, it, 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 I tweeted about this and you see the response it got. Like, it, yeah, this, is something that, this is something that clearly annoys and, and has annoyed a lot of people for an awful long time. Yeah. Um, lads, put up an old gantry there near, near the winning post, halfway up the track. Get an old drone out of your stuff. Come on, like this is this is the the number one showcase day for French racing, 
and you're showing us a race on the far side of the track from the grand stand looking across the car park it, it looks like a, a point to point it does worse than it a point really... you get better you get better footage at, a, at most point to it, points. it looks like a, a point to point from the 1980s on vhs it's ridiculous cop on, to, cop on to yourselves you just spent a fortune doing up your track uh jesus sort this out like it's, it's, it's surely and and i don't think i'm guilty of oversimplifying things here no. but this surely is a very easy thing to fix it has to be if like, i can't imagine there's anything logistically stopping them from sticking up a gantry or putting in place uh, an old cherry picker with a, with a camera up on it that could do a better job than what than what they have the, the, it's, um, uh, it just seems silly the wire cam that the itv have i know that's very expensive but you know you could use that oh, yeah look let, let's not get too fancy on the lads because they're clearly struggling with the basics here <laughs> you know just get just get some basics in place and it, it'll make the whole thing a lot better um it's just baffling it's baffling um, but Hanoi, you know, I know people say, oh, it's easy not the French, but you know, come on, I don't care if that race is run on my back lawn, I'm not going to be happy with it. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's um, absolutely it's, ridiculous. It's, it's, not, it's not good enough. No. At the very, very highest level, it's just not good enough. But, Far from good enough. But, but, they're, but they're, anyway. they're selling their product to the world, so it's definitely not good enough. So just call it, looks as though it's going to go for the new Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint, which is oh, over nice. five and 5.5 furlongs at uh, nice. Churchill Downs. So. Uh, he would be fascinating uh, going for that race. Um, how do you solve a problem like Patash? So on, on a going day, he's obviously very, very good, but he's starting to have far too many of these off days for my liking. Ah, sure, look, that's him. He's just, he's very, I don't know what it is. I don't know what turns him on, what turns him off. Maybe he just knows himself. Well, I, I, can't imagine, I can't imagine too much turns him on, given he's a gelding. <laughs> um, but... Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. He seemed to behave himself well. He's run well. Clearly, you know, a fair way below his very best. Um, look, he's a gelding. Um, by all accounts, I, I believe he's a sound horse. Kick on. Just run him. Run him. Run him more often. See yeah. what happens. Yeah. Send you him know? Send him to um, America. Send him to the Breeders' Cup. Let's see what he can do. He's not, a, he's not a horse that I think people will be as willing to lash into at short prices next season as they were this season. Um, but he'll remain a nuisance for most because you just know that if he turns up, he's probably going to win. Um, but he he's making a, a small habit of not turning up. Um, and look, we don't want to knock him too much. You know, he's been he was brilliant in his middle run this year. You wouldn't want to knock him too much it's at Ascot. Two, he, ran, he ran a very good race at Ascot. No, but just in terms of the level of form he showed, regardless of, of the class of race, um, it, it was it was a brilliant performance. But each time um, in Group One company this season, he's been showing up. Yeah, I, that's not showing up. I, look, I, I could care less if they call it a Group One or a listed race. You know, you, I, I'd evaluate the form, you know, regardless of his title. And you know, it's true to say his best run was in a Group Two, but I don't think that was anything to do with the with the class of race. Mm. I think it's just that when when he's on, he's on, and he happened to be on last year, um, in in the Abbey, and he was brilliant. You know, so you, it's just hard to know with him. It is, and like, we're, maybe we're being a shade harsh. Like he, he's probably in, over his career, he's probably had more on days than off. But I think we we perhaps remember the off days a little bit more bitterly than we do the the good days. You know. See, I, knew, I think that I think that's human nature. <laughs> I knew saying that would get you fired up, and it did. So <laughs> fantastic. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about just the Phillies. The Phillies race the Prix de la Opera which went the way of Orsu won on this card last year. Wild Illusion has improved immensely. We were there at Epsom for 
for ITV when she was all the rage and you could argue somewhat unlucky in the Oaks. Um, but she's turned it around since, really good at Goodwood and uh, and really, really good here. Magic Wand is, is a, a really classy horse in my book, Kev, and you know, she's she's just been too good for her. Yeah, um, look, wild illusion. I think it's just simply the, the old Goldilocks routine here. You know, a mile, a little bit too short, a mile and a half, a little bit too far, mile two, just right. And uh, she's been very good in her two spins at that trip. And, um, and yeah, look, that, that's her. This was a good, solid performance. And beat Magic Wand, who's a filly I'd have plenty of time for. And, yeah, like, I wouldn't have a huge amount more to say than that. And Wild Illusion, she's holding her form well, considering, again, a little bit like Lawrence, you know, she's been on the go since the Guineas. And, um, and yeah, look, Charlie Appleby has had a marvellous season. And this filly is now a two-time Group 1 winner as a, as a three-year-old. And yeah, look, I have nothing more to say about it than that. Um, a fine performance. Uh, no interest in talking about the French horses because, uh, as Kevin was saying on Thursday's show, they are all rubbish. It's, an, it's a terrible crop. What happened to that accent? I don't know what that was. Um, both of these horses could end up meeting each other again in the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf. That would be quite a race. Yeah, um, I'd say the ground there would perhaps suit Magic Wand better than Wild Illusion. Yeah. It might bring them a little bit closer together. Um, I know Wild Illusion has um, her share of form on um, on good ground, and even when you know when they met on Good to Firm and Ascot, Magic Wand was obviously much the best. But the trip may have been an issue for Wild Illusion that day. But I just think looking at the way she moves, Wild Illusion will always appreciate it a little bit of an ease in it. Um, whereas Magic Wand, um, despite being a big girl, you know, really seems to rattle off fast ground. And, um, and yeah, it'll be a fascinating rematch. Um, and it would all come down to price, as always. Absolutely. Now, given our connection to Sky, I have to do... Breaking news! Final Furlong Podcast news alert! Saeed Bin Saror has won a Group 1! <laughs> do not adjust your sets! Saeed Bin Saror wins Group 1. Royal Marine gets the job done for, for, <laughs> for Usheen Murphy. Uh, so it turns out he's finally got a decent crop of juveniles. Well, at least one. Um, he looked good. He could have a classic contender on his hands here, in, in my view. <clears throat> um, I don't, yeah, I don't want to knock him too much. Um, you know, the, the form of his previous start is obviously working out very well. Um <clears throat> Excuse me, he beat uh, Terzhenev on that occasion, who looks a very nice horse mm. in his own right. And then I just, I just can't help but think that, um, look, having looked at the sectional times and all that, that the front two here just got the run of it to an extent. Um, it looked like Broom was being very aggressively ridden in front, but they, they didn't go all that hard, really. And the two big guns were ridden that bit more patiently. And we're just left with a little bit too much to do, I think. Uh, Freddie Head had some big chat about Anador beforehand, um, saying something along the lines of it was the best two-year-old he's ever trained. Um, and I, would, I wouldn't give up on either him or Botron just yet. Um, I think this this got a bit tactical. Mm. And Royal Marine was very well ridden by Oshin Murphy to take Crashing advantage. Crashing right. Um, of course, none of this means excludes Royal Marine from being a proper horse. But it's just important to, to you know evaluate him within that context. Um, I was delighted for a sire Ravens pass. He's a sire I'm quite fond of. This was his first Group One winner, 
um, not is, before time. Isn't that amazing to think that, you know, it's it's quite a few years ago since he had that epic battle with Henry the Navigator in what was essentially an all-weather Breeders' Cup Classic. No, it's ten, 10 years ago. 10 years ago, and this is his first Group 1 winner. It's amazing. Yeah, he's, he's a funny horse. He's got low libido, and um, they... they they don't cover all that many mares with him. I think he he's kind of restricted to two a day, right? And um, and he kind of he's one of those. He he makes up his own mind. And um, I sent a mare to him one time, and there's actually, I'll tell it. It's a small bit blue, but I'll tell it. Um, a, a mare that I have here, and she was very she was ready to be covered very early in the season. Traditionally, the breeding season would open on Valentine's Day, but most studs would cover a little bit earlier than that if required. Ah, uh, um, how romantic. She she was she was ready to be covered anyway, and let's say February sixth. So I I ring up um Darley or Godolphin or whatever you whatever you want to call them and ask to say, look, this mare's ready for cover. Is there a slot there for her tomorrow morning? And they said, oh, Kevin, look, we're really sorry. Um, the breeding shed here doesn't open until again. I don't have my dates right, but we'll say February eighth, the day after I she needed to be covered. And I'm like, oh, I tried to pull every string in the place, of course. But they said, look, Kevin, if we open it for you, we'd have to open it for someone else. And we just, you know, it's a blanket policy. We don't open until February 8th. I said, look, fair enough. Rules are rules. And they said, look, bring her up on on February 8th, the day after. And look, sure, hopefully she's hung on to um, her follicle and we, we can get her covered. So brought her up. And um, the thing with Raven's Pass is you leave the mayor there because he it's all about his mood. <laughs> it's all about whether he fancies it or not. And the thing is they they don't. They, they they handle the mares up there an awful lot to make sure they're absolutely primed. The timing is absolutely perfect because he won't show an interest otherwise. Um, that's the story with him. So, <clears throat> so they presented the mare to him anyway, and he showed he showed an interest and he he climbed the board. Um, but he but he um he, he how will I phrase this without being uh, without being rude? Oh no, um, no, he didn't. He, he no, he commenced the job, but he didn't finish it, um, and then and and then lost interest. So that's said. Okay, fair enough. We'll take her away. We'll try her again in in four hours or five hours or whatever. Was he was um, he so saying he, was he saying Kev? I'm I'm really sorry. This never happens. This never. There was no. Happens. There was no. There was no apology. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a feeling this wasn't the first time this happened, and he he was not apologetic. I'm so sorry, baby. This never. <laughs> this never happens to me. So, so she was taken away, but while they were waiting for, while they were giving him some time, um, they handled her and it, it turns out that she had already ovulated and in a perfect world, you'd want a mare covered about 24 hours or a little bit less before they ovulate. So the fact that she had had, had ovulated means that, you know, it, they said, look, it, it's probably pointless covering her again. Um, just, just you know, it's just one of those things. Take her away. We'll try again in, in 21 odd days. So took her away. I'm disappointed, obviously, but you know this is the reality of of breeding horses. These things happen. Um, so we handled her again, whatever it was, um, 14, 15 days later to 16 days later to see was was her cycle progressing and getting ready to be covered again. And bang, pregnant. Oh, so he had finished yeah. the job. No, he hadn't. There was just a little, a little, little bit of a seepage, and it was enough to do the job. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they, they went back, and, and, and I rang, I rang, um, I rang Godolphin and said, "That's uh, you probably won't believe me here, but are you sure he didn't finish the job? Like, because that mare's pregnant." 
And they went back and all these things are recorded for insurance purposes. They went back, they looked at the video, they spoke to everyone who was present and they're like, he did not ejaculate. It did not happen. <laughs> but there we go. She was pregnant. Like, and they say, to be fair, he, he's, he's slow to get going, but when he fires, he fires golden bullets. Like he's very, very fertile. He's the most, he's the most fertile <laughs> horse in the land. And evidently a bit of seepage was enough to do the job. Oh, <laughs> If so ever. We, we had we had we had and she and she carried she carried the full term she had a big cold and um myself and, and joe osborne who, who was one of the main men there we, we got a great laugh out of this and she um the horse was subsequent darty actually bought the the horse subsequently and um he's in japan he 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 stayed he spent the winter in a farm literally three minutes away from here um and went off to japan there about a month ago and uh, the last I heard, they were trying to come up with, um, they were trying to figure out what the Japanese was for Immaculate Conception. To give <laughs> <a> racing name. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, brief, brief sideline there, but that's Raven's Pass. <laughs> oh, but that's fantastic. That is, uh, what a story. Also, just from a public service announcement perspective, <laughs> wrap it up, lads. It's cold outside. <laughs> <laughs> you, you never, you know, because you can get excited, but you never know. Just, just make sure you're wrap it up. It is very cold out there. And know? to all the mayors in the land, if you spy Ravens Pass, don't so much as shake hands with him because yeah. you probably end up pregnant. <laughs> and 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 ladies, ladies, it applies to you too. You know, just just make sure, don't fall for it. Don't say don't don't fall for the usual line. You know the line I'm thinking of. We're all we're all on filth mode right now. Just, you know, <laughs> take the necessary precautions. Um, <laughs> but uh, look, I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm all, you know, the reason I use Centimere to Ravens Pass is, you know, when you statistically analyze what he's done as a sire, you know, for all that, it was obviously a very long wait for him to have a group one winner. Mm. He, he's actually a very accomplished sire in terms of the, the percentage of, you know, 90 plus a hundred plus rated horses he's produced from from small crops. Yeah, and um, he, he's a good sire, and I'm just I'm just happy he's got his well deserved Group One winner now. I think he's had something like six Group Two winners, and has hit the bar in, in, in multiple Group Ones. So it wasn't before time. Okay, uh, well, hopefully uh, your horse that was bred will be uh, an absolute superstar out in Japan, and will eventually come over and try. <sighs> try and win the arc and we'll get another video of Japanese <laughs> fans fun, yeah? cheering make and it, celebrating make it, make it a good story <laughs> cheering and celebrating just as some 66 to 1 shot comes down the outside and nails him <laughs> on the line uh, much to your frustration and the Japanese fans as well uh, Royal Marine Oshin Murphy has described him as a miler that's what he thinks he will be for the future Sai Bin Sarora has indicated he will go to Dubai for the winter which means he will probably going for the UAE 2000 guineas how do you feel about that oh yeah why not why not um like i say i just i, I wouldn't be certain he's the best horse in this race um but look time will tell and okay. I, I don't want to knock him too much because all he can do is go and win you know brief one on the pre-marcel buzak kevin uh, pink dogwood ended up being quite gambled on uh she went off a three to one shot uh, but it was the 28-1 shot Lily's Candle. My God, the French winning a race. Um, yeah, and I'd actually had a really good look at this filly beforehand because she was entered in the in the sale. And um, look, her form, 
it would have been difficult to fancy her on her form. You know, she'd run to a level of about 100, but she was a bit better than the results um, on her previous start at Longchamp in a Group 3 because she she generally been making the running or sitting very handy in her races, whereas at Longchamp they, they rode her... Um, with a bit more patience in behind horses and she was just a bit raw didn't get the clearest run and she certainly looked better than the bare form there but this represented a big step up um she was returning to a mile um having having had a couple of runs over seven she she'd won her maiden over a mile earlier in the season and i suppose that the story here is that she she was sold the night before for three hundred ninety thousand um to martin schwartz who's pulled this trick before and um, he bought um, elusive wave. Well done. I think at, at this sale, oh, surely ten years ago now. It's amazing um, how banging the desk made you remember. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think from memory, and I, I'm, I don't have it here in front of me. I think she might have been beaten the following day um, in the race she ran in on, on Arc Day, but she went on to be a very good filly. And um, look, this wasn't a strong renewal of the Marcel Boussac. Um, we'll perhaps look back on this in, in the full course of time and say, God, Lily's candle kind of got her, got all her birthdays there that particular day. But hope oh, could be wrong. She could go on and win her French guineas next year. But um, it looks like um, she stepped her form up at just the right time to capitalise on what maybe wasn't a, an overly strong renewal of this race. Yeah, no, I, I would firmly agree with you in terms of uh, the Prix Marcel Bouzac. Anything else that you'd like to highlight from Paris Longchamp for Arc Weekend, Kev? I will quickly mention the foray. Um, Willem Haggis compensation here for Sea of Class. One master, mm. another filly. You know, this was obviously a, a, a fair old shock. She was a big price. Um, very well-bred filly. She's worth an absolute fortune now. Um, this represents, she, to be fair to her, she's been stepping up away. Um, you know, her previous run, um, winning at Tipperary was probably her best run. Uh, the fairy, you know, that wasn't a, a super renewal of the fairy bridge, I don't think, but she went and won it. And she stepped up here again. Um, you'd have to comment here on, on Polly Dream. Um, absolute nightmare yeah, run. Total nightmare. Oh, good God. Talk about puke-worthy. Peas um, and the, carrots everywhere. She just got trapped and, and that was everywhere. it, basically. Yeah, really tough watch for anyone that got involved in short yeah. odds there. Um, but but there we go, as Mick Fitz would say. Um, that that was that was a tough one. Gustav Klimt didn't have the clearest of runs either, but he was being pushed along, so I, I would I wouldn't exactly be uh, reaching to give an excuse for him. Yeah, he he would have finished closer, but I wouldn't call him an unlucky loser yeah. myself. Yeah, same as myself. Um, George Bowen Day, he finished ninth. Um, yeah, ground, ground, totally went against them, hammered down with Ray and Ascot, and um, readily forgivable again. Uh, they've entered him in a good six furlong handicap at York on Saturday, so I'd say they wouldn't be afraid to back him up now, um, ground permitting, but he's, had, he's just been unlucky twice now, especially last Saturday, because that was um, unforeseen, I think it's fair to say. And just looking at the ground at the minute at York is good, good to soft in places, forecast mainly dry. Mainly dry, okay. Yeah, we might be okay. We, we, might, we, might, we might get another day yet, lads. But in other, in, in other news, George Bones' half-brother, Bezos, won at Pontefract today. God, Bezos! There you go, little Bezos. Happy days. The, 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 the little fat foal that could. Happy days. <laughs> turns out, yeah. turns out, Kevin Blake just keeps on knocking out the winners. 
And I and I reckon I was trying to count it up, and I, I'll, I'll get an actual number here, um, because that may I won't go on about it now. But I reckon that is the. I think that's the twenty-third winner Midnight Oasis has, has had as a mayor. Wow, that is some load of wins. <laughs> what a what a star! What a star. Kevin Blake, ladies and gentlemen, Dick Abuson. Nothing to do with Kevin Blake. It's Midnight Oasis. Uh, not a hero. No, she's a, she's a superstar. To be fair, um, anything else that you would like to highlight from the weekend? Just gone. Um, no, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. All right. Uh, Jumps fans will be throwing stuff at the screens. Uh, we keep getting asked on Twitter, when's our first National Hunt preview podcast going to be? When are you going to get start talking about the jumps? We're still in the flat season. We've got a big weekend ahead of us with the Dewhurst and the Cesarowicz to talk about. Too darn hot. Uh, Sir Michael Stout's Kingman Colts are going to run. Anthony Van Dyke surprisingly pulled out of the weekend, Kev. Presumably he'll go for this race. That's the talk. That's the talk. And it looks like it could be the best Jew horse in a little while. Oh, big Proper time. Proper race. Big time. Uh, this is a really, really exciting renewal uh, of the race. And there'll be more Irish interest in the Cesarowicz because we've got Tony Bloom's Stratham, who is ooh, Robert Winston. I'm sure he had to have a bit of a word with himself and maybe was given a word or two uh, with the ride last time out at York, uh, but also money coming in for Lamini, or Limini, whichever you want to uh, describe her as, a uh, big winner on Irish Champions Weekend. So, uh, Oshin Murphy rode her there, maybe, maybe, unless there's something for, uh, for his retained ownership, he could very well get the ride again. I think he well, might, you know. I, 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 see, um, I see another very interesting... Irish entry there as well. No idea Sosler if he's going to run. in France? Yeah. No mm. idea if he's running, but by God, he'd be interested if he did. Very, very. Uh, he's running off a mark of 107. Yeah, Ooh. that looks attractive. Oh, I'd like that now. That'd be... that'd be Best price, 12 to 1. So perhaps he is going to run. Mm. Now, if he was to rock up, I think we'd have to be taking a bit of an interest there, Kevin Blake. I think we'd have to. Yeah. I think we'd be morally obliged to take it. It'd be interest. hard to say no to. Absolutely. Um, pleasure talking to you as always, my friend. Uh, really enjoyed uh, going back over the weekend. Thanks, everybody, for all the, the kind words uh, on social media. Hopefully, you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, thank you so much to John Dance for joining us as well. We will be sending him genuinely Final Four on Podcast mugs. Um, I'll take a photograph of them and, and put them up in the tweet machine so you can get a look at them and uh, and see what they're like. But uh, we will we will be sending those mugs to um, the multi-millionaire John Best very very soon because you know he could do with uh, with the the old handout. Even millionaires need a handout every now and again too. Uh, he's an absolute gent, and thanks so much to him for for giving us his time. And for that matter, thank you for giving us your time and listening to the Final Four on podcast on at the races. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. Kevin and I are back with you on Thursday as we preview a superb weekend's racing from Kevin Blake. Good luck. And from me, Emma Kennedy, thanks so much for tuning in. We will chat to you again on Thursday. God bless. The Final Furlong podcast is sponsored by Unibet. Sign up now using code ATR-30 to get your welcome offer. BeGambleAware.org, 18+. Plus. Have you downloaded the free At The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. 
Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile. Visit attheracescom forward slash app for more details.